This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society, and we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. And hello, Hearts of Oak. Thank you so much for joining us on another Saturday evening news review. A little bit different setup this evening. One, I'm away my last couple of days in Greece on a family holiday, but news continues, so we can't stop. But I do have a rubbish internet connection, and that means that our guest that was going to join us wasn't going to work. So I'm just doing this a pre-record a few hours before. Lots of stuff has come out the last week. Many of these stories are on our Getter page and anywhere else on our Telegram, on Gab, everywhere else. So you can go back and follow them there. one or two things before we start. I um, didn't bring my usual microphone, so all a bit different. I hope you enjoyed Monday with Diana West. Had great views on Rumble and Bitches. I think a, a journalist wrote a piece about the interview, um, how positive it was. So that's great. Thank you so much for uh, posting that and passing it on. And Dr. Cartland on Thursday, a doctor opposing the COVID groupthink. I had a great time with him. So if you've missed either of those, they're both available. But now it is Saturday the 20th of August. So let's go through a few of the news stories. And we'll start with immigration. This story from Sky News, the Home Office warns Afghan evacuees, evacuees or refugees, uh, they may be evicted if they refuse accommodation offers. It's not clear how many have turned down accommodation, but many Afghans spoken to by Sky News say they haven't yet received any offers of housing. Uh, I haven't received many offers of housing. I don't know if you receive it as a UK citizen, but anyway, come from Afghanistan, you do. So the Home Office is warning them they could be evicted if they turn down two offers of accommodation. A year after the fall of Kabul, nine and a half thousand Afghan evacuees remain in hotels in the UK, waiting to be housed with Britain, already struggling with a shortage of social housing. The Home Office letter, newsletter, it's a newsletter to Afghan evacuees in hotels seen by Sky News says the Home Office will make a maximum of two offers of suitable accommodation. If you decline both offers without good reason, we will not make any further offers. It means you'll have to leave your hotel and make your own arrangements for accommodation. So it seems these people all have the right to stay in the UK as Afghan passport holders. Again, Sky News said it's not clear how many have turned down accommodation or how many have been actually removed. If they don't have anywhere to live, then obviously much better for them to return to Afghanistan. So we have a massive shortage of housing, massive shortage of affordable housing, 9,500 hotel rooms paid for by you and me. How do we bring nine and a half thousand people in the country that are actually thinking how we'll look after them without thinking where they will actually stay? I guess nine and a half thousand school places are needed. Massive pressure in many cities in the UK. I don't know how they manage to fit into school. And I assume their English may not be good if may, may not exist at all. So you'll obviously need interpreters in all those schools. 
it's a massive logistical operation. But anyway, they have been brought nine and a half thousand, still waiting for proper accommodation outside their hotels. I know many Brits wait for accommodation for a long time. And obviously, I hope that uh, someone from Afghanistan does not jump the queue to a Brit who is waiting for accommodation because they need it and have been on a waiting list for a very long time. Continuing the theme of immigration is this. This is how our government has completely collapsed, completely dysfunctional. The story from the Daily Mail, 16th of August, Navy backs out of migrant patrols and will not take charge of Channel Dinghy crisis report claims. So the Royal Navy will no longer take charge of the Channel Migrant Crisis. Navy ships will return Operation Control of Rescuing Migrants on January 31st. Who to? I guess the Home Office. Pretty Patel will be out in a dinghy herself. One source disapproved and questioned the message it sent to traffickers. Well, it means that you can come in and we won't police our borders. At least 20,000 Channel Migrants have arrived in the UK this year. So let's read down. The Ministry of Defence has told ministers that Navy ships will return operational control of rescuing migrants and bringing them all ashore to the border force on January 31st. However, source says the Navy would need to continue to be involved. We need to show illegal immigration has been taken seriously. What message would an ending of their involvement send to traffickers? It comes four months after the first Royal Navy ships were deployed to coordinate border force and Coast Guard boats to rescue migrants. But of course, they say critics claim it hasn't stopped the influx. Of course it hasn't. You don't have to be a critic to say that. It hasn't stopped anything from coming over. Here we have groups coming over. So 20,000 have arrived in the UK so far this year. Uh, that milestone was reached last in November 2021. So now we've reached it in August. I think last year was was it 28,000 came into the country. Um, I'll need to double check that. So 20,000 so far seems it will break that record. And hey, I thought Britain was full. I didn't think there was any space. <clears throat> More information on this. It's yesterday. That was on the 15th. The Daily Mail revealed that more than 4,000 Albanians had successfully made their trip due to new tactics by people trafficking gangs in the Balkans and weaknesses in Britain's modern slavery laws. Ministers fear the surge will push this year's number of small boat arrivals far beyond the record 28,500 seen last year. 4,000 Albanians, either Albania was in Europe, it's one of the poorer countries in Europe. Uh, but why does an Albanian have the right to come here? And of course, they know the weaknesses that we have in our system, weaknesses our government is well aware of and has been well aware of, and yet does absolutely nothing to stop, absolutely nothing to slow it down. And they basically just have press conferences and they make comments and promises of things they will do. Remember, we have had a conservative government for what, since 2010, 12 years, and yet every year we have record numbers of people breaking into the country. If people were breaking into your house, you'd think you'd put a, a better lock on the door. Not Britain. We welcome them in, and more and more people can come in. 
So that's on immigration. Let's move on to, let me check my, check my stories. Now oh, here's a labor story. Here's a labor. It'd be no better under labor, of course. I just get frustrated at the conservative government, a conservative in name only. Um, a, as the Americans have rhino, Republican name only, we have conservatives, so they have rhino, we have sino, I guess. Here is the express and sad story uh, from Wednesday, the 17th of August. Another blow for Stammer, Labour's 4.8 million deficit exposed after 100,000 member exodus. Labour lost nearly 100,000 members last year as the party continues to suffer from Sir Keir Stammer's beleaguered leadership. Well, you wouldn't want to trust Keir Stammer with anything, would you? He doesn't have any charisma, doesn't have any policies, is just a pathetically weak leader, not a leader at all. So it's the opposition party, of course, this is the Daily Express, and they will ramp this up, is facing financial ruin. I don't know if it's at stage yet. With the party treasurer's report logged with the Electoral Commission showing it is operating at a significant loss, £4.8 million deficit caused by costs of staff redundancies, a drop in membership and ongoing legal battles. In total, more than 91,000 Britons ripped up their membership cards last year. Membership stood at 432,000 at the end of 2021, down from 523,000 the year before. So over half a million, which is quite, I mean, the Conservatives have 160,000, Labour 430. Many more people align themselves with Labour by being a member. Obviously, you see in elections, that's not necessarily the case. But Labour saw the money raised from subscriptions drop by 3 million as a result of the exodus, with the party raising about 16 million in fees last year compared to 19.3 million in 2020. So it doesn't look good for Keir Stammer. It talks about trade unions uh, threatening to withhold cash from the party if a leader does not U-turn on his ban on his top team from joining striking workers on the picket lines. And of course, in I know certainly in London, there's been a transport strike, I think in other parts of the country, and it affects those who rely on the trains, who cannot pay 30, 40, 50 pounds for a taxi each way. That is the upper echelon of society. The, those in the lower end who rely on using their saver train tickets, get to and from work. It's the only way. If that doesn't work, they don't have another way of getting to work. And so they either lose a day's income or um, they have uh, problems in their workplace, maybe discipline reaction. They could lose their job. This is what the Labour Party want to do. They want to punish and they want to destroy the livelihoods of normal working class British people um, who don't have all the money to to get alternative transport to work. That's the Labour Party, just in case you thought I just wanted to dig the Conservative Party, happily to take a pot shot at Labour as well. Moving on, let me see our next story. So apologies, oh, when you're on the move, you don't have everything at your fingertips. This interesting story. We posted this a few days ago. It's an oldie, a 9th of August. So it is an, 
little bit of an older story. Doesn't catch the last seven days, but hey, wanted to put it up anyway. Amazon will soon have a map of your home. Tech giant's buyout of Rumba will allow it to get detailed layout plans and let it to connect all smart devices to one system. So as part of Amazon's 1.7 billion acquisition of iRobot, which is the little robot vacuums, it will be control of the company's new robot OS, giving the company detailed maps of users' homes. These maps could be used to gather even more data about each user. In developing the operating system, iRobot executives hoped to make all smart devices share information about usage and a person's whereabouts. The location of all these devices would be added to the map and Amazon would be able to limit which companies can connect to their smart home systems. It's a frightening invasion of our privacy. Maybe those who've got robot vacuums. Here's the operating system already works in conjunction with the front-facing camera on the Rumba J7 vacuums to map out a home's layout and avoid over 80 common place objects like shoes, socks, cords, headphones, clothes, and even pet residue. Oh, so it can avoid poo. This is a camera. So the camera is there. Who knows if you're being filmed? You have that sitting in the corner, I guess, charging. I've been to many people's houses and they've got one there charging the corner. I guess the camera just sits there and can record anything, send everything back. And then every time it goes around the house, everything is marked, is mapped, is recorded and made available to Amazon. Is there any, uh, it's on here. So this obviously brings up what it would mark out and then this information Amazon would have available to it to use as they so wish. Okay, enough of, of robot vacuum cleaners. Who ever thought we would need a robot vacuum cleaner? That's the, the madness we have got to. Let's jump on to some COVID stories. Let me bring up this. This is a great, uh, oh, great story. They're not great stories. They're depressing stories. Uh, Well-researched story. This is on Daily Cloud, which is Naomi Wolf's website. She obviously was a guest with a couple of months ago. Uh, make sure and check out Daily Cloud. And if we bring up this story, American Massacre. Let me read that again. American Massacre. Steve Kirch's claim, hundreds of thousands of mRNA vaccine-related deaths, millions of injuries. Is he right? The person asking this, is he right, is Naomi Wolf on the 16th of August. She says, I'm inclined to say yes. Here is why. On the 10th of August, 2022, the Silicon Valley tech entrepreneur, and the now executive director of Vaccine Safety Research Foundation appeared in Fox News, Tucker Carlson, tonight. Kirch made a number of claims that are well documented amongst those of us who follow mRNA vaccine safety issues, but that may have been alarming surprises to a general audience. He noted, for instance, that the FDA and the CDC, uh, the Federal Drugs Agency, they approve vaccines and the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, uh, that monitor health uh, health and um, what outbreaks, 
falsely assured us that the approved COVID mRNA vaccines were safe and effective. This statement is, of course, completely accurate. The reports by our war room, Daily Cloud, Pfizer documents, this is Naomi Wolf's been on war with Bannon a lot of times, and noted that the COVID mRNA vaccines are the most dangerous vaccines created by man for the general inoculation of the general US public. Let me read that again. This is what Kirch noted. The COVID mRNA vaccines are the most dangerous vaccines created by man. Wow. He cites 250 deaths from a 60 Minutes report on the smallpox vaccine, compared this to the deaths from the mRNA vaccine. Certainly in regards to the deaths of babies, we know is correct, with more babies of mRNA vaccinated mothers having died than have babies of mothers vaccinated with all earlier vaccines combined. So death of babies with pregnant mothers of mRNA vaccine is the larger than all other vaccines combined. Kurt Olson invoked the wedding of Wayne Allen Root, the conservative talk show host and commentator. Root pointed out that of 200 guests at his wedding eight months earlier, 26 of those have been seriously ill or injured and seven have died. All of those were vaccinated. Root also noted that among his friends and family who have been at his wedding who were unvaccinated, none to his knowledge have gotten sick or died. The moral of the story, don't get the mRNA jab. And here's Steve Kirchner's letter. Sign up. He's on Substack. Uh, you'll find him. Sign up to his regular emails. Well worth it. And certainly I followed those for probably a year and a half. Um, Steve Kirch, well worth following that. Let's move on to what was our... <laughs> this is... <laughs> uh, sometimes you have to laugh or else you'd end up crying, wouldn't you? Here we have a perfect example of how effective the vaccines are or not. Quadruple vaxxed Pfizer CEO Albert Burla catches COVID one year after claiming his vaccine was 100% effective in preventing COVID. This is the 15th of August, Gateway Pundit, uh, one of the best news websites in the US. I'm sure you follow. If not, make sure and follow it on Telegram channel as well. So quadruple vaxxed Pfizer CEO Albert Burla catches COVID one year after claiming his vaccine was 100% effective in preventing COVID. There he is. Um, and of course, he thanked his vaccine. Yes, he thanked his vaccine for having COVID. Burla also said he started a course of Paxlovid. Heard of Paxlovid? Have you ever been recommended to get Paxlovid by your NHS? Nope. Must be special for only certain type of people, like the CEO of Pfizer and the, who else was it? Joe Biden, sorry, Joe Biden had a blank there. Uh, Joe Biden also was taking it in his numerous bouts of COVID. So here's Berla. I would like to let you know that I have tested positive for COVID-19. I am thankful for having COVID? No. I'm thankful for not having COVID? No. He's thankful to have received four doses of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine and I'm feeling well while experiencing very mild symptoms. I am isolating and have started a course of Paxlovid. If you've got four jabs 
if you've got four injections of a medicine to stop you getting sick and you get sick, then there's a serious problem. I would recommend and suggest that means it's not working. Four jabs of something to stop you getting ill and you get ill. Anyway, he's confident he'll have a speedy recovery. We have come so far in our efforts to battle this disease that I'm confident I will have a speedy recovery. I'm incredibly grateful for the tireless efforts of my Pfizer colleagues who work to make vaccines and treatments available for me and people all around the world. 100% effect. That's what he said about preventing COVID cases in South Africa specifically, he was talking about. It seems as though it was not 100% effective. He said that in April 2021. In fact, let me show it to you. He must have tweeted it. Excited to share that update analysis from our phase three study with BioNTech also showed that our COVID-19 vaccine was 100% effective in preventing COVID-19 cases in South Africa. 100% says it twice. I guess it's not 100% wherever he lives. So avoid the country where the chief executive of Pfizer lives if you've had the job because it's not 100% effective there. But do go to South Africa. Uh, you might die of other issues in South Africa. But hey, at least you will be 100% safe from COVID. What a pile of utter nonsense. What other stories do we have on this? Give me a moment. There was, yeah, Robert Malone. Robert Malone, like he's been a guest with us twice. Um, he is suing, who's he suing? Was it the Washington Post? Let me bring it up. Yeah, well, he's suing the Washington Post for defamation. Here it is. Dr. Robert Malone sues Washington Post for defamation. Obviously, Dr. Robert Malone has been attacked by all of those in the left because he's been so vocal against the rollout of the mRNA vaccine. He is credited with, uh, with coming up with the technology behind the mRNA vaccine, with inventing it. Uh, this is on Epoch Times, another great American news website. So he sues them for defamation. This was on the 19th of yesterday, he sued them, alleging statements in an article about him were defamatory. The January the 24th article, I was going to say January the 6th, no, the more January the 6th, get Diane West. The January 24th article says Malone offered misinformation while he said during a speech that the COVID-19 vaccines were not working against the Omicron virus variant as proof paper linked to studies by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention from January that found a booster shot on top of a primary series was protecting well against severe disease. So um, it goes through a number of things that he said. For instance, later in the speech, Malone said the vaccines do not prevent Omicron infection, viral replication, or spread to others. So the vaccines do not prevent Omicron infection, do not stop viral replication and do not stop it spreading to others. Those three. Uh, he said, he has said, I said nothing about disease and death at that point in time. And yet they have written this article about him. And in this, he goes through the statement. So I'd encourage you to go through, read the article. Um, obviously, 
one of the things he's against them, 10 statements they put in that article, he's going against all 10. One of them was that his claims have been discredited and says he repeated the falsehoods. They haven't been discredited. Robert Malone has always uh, put the information out and asked for, um, and put out the information behind it, put out the, the data. So it's all there in black and white for anyone to see. That's Robert Malone. Let's move on to the, <laughs> let's move on to this. Actually, no. Yeah, let's, the the crazy woke agenda where up in Scotland, you poor Scots, you poor, poor people north of the border there. Please menstruate responsibly. There's now a man in charge. Yeah. This is in the Times from the 18th of August. A man has just been appointed Scotland's first period dignity officer. Let me say that again. A man has just been appointed Scotland's first period dignity officer. So she said the response has been incredulous. Yes, I can see why they did that. Nobody has said. The optics are truly superb in this, no one added. But I don't know. The position which has been funded by the Scottish Government will involve travelling the Tayside region to discuss free access to period products, as well as identifying, developing and facilitating events and activities that engage your communities and young people. And it's been awarded to Jason Grant. Now, Jason doesn't self-identify as a person who bleeds. This is the phrase they often use. Or a woman. That's a bloke. <laughs> that is a bloke. A man. <laughs> I feel like the dead part sketch in Monty Python. <laughs> he has no medical training, was previously a personal trainer, and also worked in sales at Imperial Tobacco, which you'd think, judging from further incredulous reaction, was up there with arms dealing, but again, I don't know. So it goes and mocks this, where a man will be going around advising women uh, how to look after themselves during their time of the month. Nicholas Sturgeon's world gets crazier and crazier. Let's look at grooming gangs. Once again, again, I'm always keen to put this in because it is still out there, it is still happening, and doesn't matter what you're told by the mainstream media. This problem is just getting worse and worse as we learn more and more about it and as figures come out. And here we have from Hull Live, local paper, evidence reviewed in police investigation into Hull grooming gang allegations. No charges have so far been brought despite 30 for arrests. You would think the police don't want to charge people and prosecute anyone for raping young girls. Is it because the men are predominantly Muslim, Pakistani Muslim, and the girls are white English? Are they worried they would get called Islamophobic or racist? A full external review has been carried out into evidence gathered during a controversial police investigation into alleged child sexual exploitation in Hull. Last year, Humberside Police said it had been unable to identify sufficient evidence to corroborate or support allegations made by a number of young girls about grooming activities in the city, 
As a result, the force of the evidence did not meet the CPS evidential threshold for anyone to be formally charged. So when the police have a case, they look at the level, the threshold, it will pass. And if it's higher than that, there's a, a higher chance that they will have a successful prosecution in court. They don't bring a case that has low amount of evidence. So the CPS obviously have set such a high bar in this that I think the judge himself, herself, needs to see the rip by his own eyes, her own eyes, before they can actually do anything. That's what it seems to be. Overall, 34 individuals were arrested during what the police described as an intense and complex two-year investigation known as Operation Marksman. As part of the inquiry, 200 digital devices were seized from suspects for forensic examination, while over 100,000 text messages were reviewed. So they've got all the correspondence back and forward, but yet they just drop it. The force also... The, the four said detectives also found no evidence of organized child sexual exploitation in any part of the community, either geographically or through ethnicity. However, some of the girls behind the allegation have continued to speak out over their or ordeals since the investigation was formally wound down just over 12 months ago. The police do not care. Our court system does not care. Our politicians do not care. They don't care about children being raped. How sick individuals do you need to be? Well, we have them all in this country. Let me bring up this list one, which is the World Economic Forum. A Klaus Schwab story. Here we go. World Economic Forum makes big push for digital identity programs around the world. This is from reclaimthenet.org, brilliant organization, fantastic. World Economic Forum makes big push for digital identity programs around the world, says the governments need to develop digital trust to make people accept the rollout of digital IDs. The WF is promoting introduction of a digital identity system at whose core will be identity. And who better to create and maintain it than banks and companies offering financial services? Do you want the bank controlling your digital ID? Absolutely not. According to a blog post citing the International Data Corporation Digital Trust Index, there are trillions of dollars of opportunities around the world, but a higher level of digital trust as a universal value is what is missing in order to unlock this potential. So this is about money. This is about fleecing us. This is about making banks and governments more and more money, also about control. But finance and money has a significant part to this. I want no part of that. I want the government to butt out of my life and to leave me alone. And this last story, which also links to the WEF, is this fits in with our online safety bill here in the UK, governments wanting to control everything we see online. The WF proposes globalized plan to police online content using artificial intelligence. This is uh, the Defender, which is the Children's Health Defense, which is Robert Kennedy Jr.'s organization, great organization. The WF 
this month published an article calling for an online censorship system powered by a combination of artificial and human intelligence that one critic suggested would globalize the search for wrong think. Warning about a dark world of online harms. What about a dark world of government control and censorship? This must be addressed. The WF this month published an article calling for a solution to online abuse that would be powered by artificial intelligence. The proposal calls for a system based on AI that would automate the censorship of misinformation and hate speech. Who decides what is misinformation? And it would work to overcome the spread of child abuse. Oh, you mean children getting raped in the UK? Interesting. What happens if our UK government doesn't want to stop the rape? Extremism, I guess that means by uh, Islam, Islamism, whatever you want to call it, disinformation, hate speech, and fraud online. According to the author of the article, Inbal Goldberger, human trust and safety teams alone are not capable of placing such content online. That shows where we are heading, where we are going to be controlled more and more. So that's the WF. The links are all in the description. Thank you for joining this shorter episode with myself, Peter McElvena. We'll be back next week as normal with a guest, as usual, on the Saturday. And we'll be with you for um, all our programs. So whatever you're doing this summer, if you've managed to get a few days or a week when holiday or just gone to the beach around the corner on the coast in the UK, um, or whether you're abroad, I hope you've had a, a good time rest with family and friends. I've certainly had myself. Uh, and we will be back with you on Monday. So thank you very much for tuning in and watching. I will see you next week. So thank you and goodbye. If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list. Donate, share and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofvoke.org. Thank you for listening.